Okay, we are here for the whatever month this is. October, October? It's the September. It's the September edition. episode, but we're recording in October. That's oh, right. weirdness. All right, so it is the September episode of Behind the DM Screen for 2014. Uh, we are three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out, and that's your introduction. Sam, you're up. Go. So here's here's what's going on. Um, you know, I'm running my my fifth edition game. So my second my second edition game uh, did not run last time. I had to cancel it. So uh, my my fifth edition game. Um, what's going on is they. I, I believe I told you most of this last time, but they um, they went down into the lower lands and they found the colony. And most of the col- most of the colonists had traveled north to try to find a place where they could uh, grow their crops better. This is the and Column City campaign, or this, the evil campaign. Yes, it's the pillar the pillar city okay. campaign. So they're they're off the the the, uh, the the pillars are in the mountains, and that's where the majority of people live. But they're trying to start a colony down in the lower lands, off the mountains, to see if they can make it work. To see if it's time to go back down there or not. And the group was sent down because they lost contact with with the colony. So the group was sent down to investigate the colony. So they go down there. They learn all kinds of stuff. And one of the things they learn is that half of the – or more than half of the colonists have left and traveled north to try to find – they're following rumors of better areas where there's no cloud cover so that they can grow their crops uh, because their crops – they're having a really hard time growing their their crops, the normal crops that they grow on the mountain lands where there's lots of sunlight aren't growing down here where everything's under cloud cover. Um, because the most interesting campaign ever is the one about farm yields. Well, no. So that, that's just <laughs> the condition at the colony. And I then so time. also what happened at the colony was there were these goblins that were raiding uh, under the command of this, uh, this, this large and hairy humanoid. That's the description they have. And so they went to go try to find their base. So they tracked them back to their base. They went to their base, and they've been tooling around in this base and learning all kinds of things about uh, about in the hairy humanoid's base. It, where the right where the hair, the hairy humanoid. That's all they know about. The, they don't know what kind of creature it is. Uh, but the, he supposedly is the the leader of all these goblins, and he's the one telling these goblins to to go get they they get tribute right so they they basically any crops that do grow that the colony makes are being stolen by these goblins to pay tribute to the to the large hairy humanoid uh so the group the, the players go off the pcs go off to uh, to try to attack this fortress and make it so that what's left of the colony can actually survive because they don't have to give all their food away and so they've been running around anyway they're almost done with this and they're about to leave this area um and uh, uh, now I have to figure out what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing is that I, it's not really a dilemma. It's actually a really great thing because uh, where it stands right now, I could pretty much push the campaign in any direction. Um, and I could use any – Anything I want to sort of be the next leg of the campaign. Like the, them completing this is sort of the completion of one kind of arc of the campaign. Hmm. Uh, and now I can I can push it 
in any direction that I want to. And what happened was I just got my monster manual in the mail the other day. And uh, as you know, we read The Horde of the Dragon Queen so that we could review that. And I have a couple of other products that I'm looking at that uh, are uh, are really, are fantasy products but not, not necessarily D&D products that I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do with this group because I'm pretty sure they're going to try to um, stay down in the lower lands and follow the colonists who went looking for a better place. And so pretty much I can throw anything at them. So – Throw ideas at me. What do you got? And you've got that big, huge monster manual to get ideas from, right? That's right. That's right. All right. So are your are your players pretty open about f- part paving their own path or making their own choices? Or are they kind of looking to you for direction on the path they take? They're looking to me for direction, which is why I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to have like three major paths mm-hmm. that they can follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to have those pretty well established so that you know. When I drop the clues and they're having to decide, it's more a clue than just like one sentence. Mm-hmm. I need to lay the groundwork a little bit because once they make right. a decision, it needs to be a little bit linear. They're 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 not so great with sandboxy stuff. Mm-hmm. They're better yeah. with a kind of linear path. Uh huh. So what so what seeds do you have right now? Are there any seeds out there at all? Or you're kind of at, you've kind of wrapped up all former t- storylines and now you're just continuing on completely fresh. The seeds that are there are vague enough that I could mold them. I, I did it on purpose because I knew that once they cleared out this little temple area, they would be – they're really – because some of them are new. So I, they're really like – they're just getting used to the their new characters and stuff. And so they're just now at like third – one of them – they're going to – they're going to be at fourth level by the time I'm done with this. So by the time they're done with that particular little temple. So mm-hmm. – it's kind of one of those now they're just kind of powerful enough to actually be able to do stuff other than just get slaughtered. <laughs> so hmm. so there there are plenty of seeds but they're they can all be molded to fit whatever I decide or whatever sort of options are there. Did they ever figure out what the hairy humanoid creatures were? They haven't met him yet. Hmm. They are right do you know at the what it end. Is? So yeah, I know what it is. Can we know what it is? Yeah, it's a humongous knoll. A <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. But remember, they're have... like they're like second and third level characters, right? right, right so, right. yeah. Do you have gnolls in your campaign? Um. So well. So gnolls are a fantastic enemy. Gnolls are a great enemy. This this particular gnoll is. So this is one of the seeds, right? If if mm-hmm. they pay attention, they can learn a bunch of this stuff. So this knoll is actually from the northern area where where all the colonists think they're going to get to like the better place. There is kind of a better place up there, but on the other side of the river from the better place is this really horrible sort of plains grassland area that's been corrupted and all the knolls that, that owned that territory got corrupted and so they're kind of uh they're really kind of wicked. Do you, know, um, do you know what corrupted it? I do, yes, but they don't. Okay. Well, but can I'm, we, can but we I, know? I, no, because <laughs> if they do something and they come up with a better idea of what they think corrupted it, then that, will, then that yeah. will become it, yeah. Because I'm, you know, I let the players affect the world. Right. So if okay. whatever they come up with or whatever direction they push it ends up, you know, they really pursue trying to figure out. Because they really, I mean, that's kind of the main campaign is they, they need to figure out what's doing this so they can try to get rid of it. Are right. you looking for a, to, to kind of stick a uh, published adventure in there? Are you looking to build your own thing? Either one. 
I'm open to all and, of it. And it sounds like are you, you're not looking to have us necessarily give you ideas to further the larger campaign, but give you some side quests in, in the middle. I'm open for anything. That's why we're doing this podcast, all right? right? All right. Let's hear it all. <laughs> well, gnolls, gnolls are, you know, the, the, the tie between gnolls and demons is pretty strong. Do you, do you have any sort of demon influence in the world? There are a couple of bad demonic inf- and so that's part of part of the origin of the cloud cover thing that's going on is is demonic in origin part of it. Gotcha. Um, so not to be Mister Idea Guy, but you did ask. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I want them. Let's have them. So, are, are, were there previous worshippers of the big null, like no. from fifty thousand years ago? Why not? No, th- this are you this- sure? I, I'm positive. <laughs> yeah, maybe of his clan leader, yes. But this particular one, he's a relatively low level guy. He got sort of exiled. That's why he went knoll. south. And yeah, the okay. big the big knoll. He okay. he's the big knoll in this area, but he got pushed out of his main territory probably because he's a weakling. But is, the, is the there any knolls. reason he couldn't be claiming to be the reincarnation of the great big knoll hero from, nope, no from five thousand years ago? No reason why he well, wouldn't or, play. Or, right, he's kind of a man. Of, I mean, you know, the idea of a giant knoll. I mean, is he really giant? Uh, like, he's not well, just like he's not like nine feet tall, right? Is he like no, 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 like twenty he, feet tall, like a storm? No, 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 no. No, he he he's like twelve feet tall. He's he's a little bit uh, taller than normal, but not. But to them, he's giant. But yeah, especially right. to the goblins. To the goblins, he's you know. Okay. So it's probably not something that's a, a manifestation of some some mutation yeah, or whatever. It's, it's just like, he happens to be a really big guy. Right. Have they seen him? Not yet, no. So he could be twenty feet tall. He could be, sure. Because like one, so one thought, and this is kind of an old MMO thing. They had these guys called zone sweepers in old MMOs, and zone sweepers were like in low level areas. They would have these high level guys that would just kind of walk through, and they didn't really care too much about what was going on. But if they aggroed you or you aggroed them, they'd come over and just stomp you into the dirt. And everyone <laughs> loved like watch out for the zone sweepers. Like in uh, World of Warcraft, they had these just enormous me- demon mech things that would walk through the intro zone and Burning Crusade and just stomp on dudes. I forget what they were called. I'm sure somebody's listening remembers. But um, so the idea of like, you know, sort of a fallen god, right? If it's like the, a null god, and maybe he's like a reincarnation of the null god or he's a null god avatar or something. Mm-hmm. And that this is kind of a cycle that has existed for 50,000 years. And there's primitives from 50,000 years ago that worshipped him just like these, this new group, you know, is started. And then and the, the, the goblins have worshipped him. So let me, let me tell you about the temple that they're yeah. in. Yeah. The temple that they're in is actually slightly sentient. Mm-hmm. And it called him to the temple. And as he, as he came to the temple, he gathered all the goblins under him. And then they now inhabit the temple. So maybe and, the temple uh, is part of this old... Yes, it's possible. And the, the, players ha- the players haven't quite figured that all out yet, so I could easily sort of twist it and make it so that that's part of it. Yeah, I, and this is personal, a personal thing, but I love old stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I was actually the, thinking ancient civilization sort of yeah, ideas like, myself. Like one of my favorite... Yeah. One of my favorite, you know, I, I, the, the word trope is becoming like a trope, but... Um, <laughs> Like like the thing? Did you did you see the thing? The new one with or not the new new one, but the the one with um, uh, Kurt Russell. Probably, but no? yeah. So the thing is about a bunch of explorers up in Antarctica, and they find that there's a like hundred and fifty thousand year old spaceship buried in the ice that has a shape shifting 
alien in it that gets free and changes into dogs and changes into the people and slowly eats all the explorers. And, but the, they have like the, the, the scariest part of the movie is when they go to like this old Swedish site that's now offline and they see that they had dug like, you know, 200 feet down into a glacier down mm-hmm. to this obviously artificially made structure. Right. And they're like, that thing is clearly so much older than human beings. Like, you know, and it's just creepy. So what's really funny about you guys saying that is that's the whole reason that, or not the whole reason, but that's a lot of the reason why I covered the lower lands with clouds and that the population has been living in the mountains for like a couple thousand years mm-hmm. because I wanted the entire lower lands to be very mysterious. Like mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stuff going on. They don't they don't have any clue like what it is because they haven't been down there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so everything seems like it's really new and weird. weird. It's all alien and they don't know how old it is. They can start to discover how old it actually is. Can I yeah. throw a monster at you? <laughs> sure. That I think fits into this whole ancient civilization mm-hmm. trope and and yep. even and even the demonic uh angle. Sure. Yonti. Oh, that's interesting. Snake people, yeah, yeah, because you know, it, I mean, it could be an ancient snake people civilization or whatever. If you if they haven't been into this temple yet, you could you could you know snake it up, but it ha- you know, but they've mm-hmm. long abandoned it, right, or whatever. But it, when you go north, maybe their influence is still there, and and maybe right. they're, they're maybe the- maybe they're another ancient civilization yeah. around the same time that's also buried because they went to war a million years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe the gnolls the, are great, yeah. the, the gnolls who are there maybe were originally created by this ancient Yonti civilization and, and what have you. I'm just thinking of monsters that I think are cool from the Monster Manual too. So, <laughs> Right. I should go get it so I can look through, but there's not enough time for that. So. I'm going to Asmore's <laughs> monster list to look at the Yonti. It's great. Yeah. And they're Sorry. a good chaotic evil. Yeah, so, so they, CR, fit, they fit in well to the there's demons. There's CR th- one, three, and seven for the. Yeah, you get a good range. So it's a good range, and seven is the biggest one. That's the abomination. Mm-hmm. And that so, makes a good, that makes a good you know that make a great villain. boss. Like yeah. for level six yeah. PCs, a level seven or you know the level seven you want to should be pretty, pretty bad. I'll send you this link. <laughs> you should add the who's, who does anybody do show notes for this. Does anybody care? Um, <laughs> I don't know, Sam. You started doing it. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we barely edit this show. Yeah, I know. And by we, I mean Sam's taking this one, too. Monster List is fantastic. We haven't seen it. it Spell Asmore. Uh, A-S-M-O-R. If you yeah. Google A-S-M-O-R, uh, what, I did, what did I Google here? Uh, Asmore 5e Monster Manual. I feel like Asmore has been, uh, is, a, is a thing that has been he around has. for a long time. I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a guy or a gal. Uh, that makes tons of obviously is a good JavaScript programmer mm-hmm. and also loves RPGs and makes tons of this stuff. And they, you know, they did it all through 4E and now they've made great stuff. Sorry for taking up your time. That's all right. No, yeah, Asmore has been. Stop. A, a, Why is it still going on? On Twitter, I've been following Asmore and he's been following me, or I got. Oh, really? I think yeah. I guess for a I long time. Was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but really, uh, the site is fantastic. It's like the best way to build a. Um, the best way to build, figure out how to do 5e's crazy-ass encounter mm. building. I feel like I've been looking at Asmore stuff, though, like since 2nd edition, but maybe, maybe. I'm, maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm, possible. Yeah. yeah, Hardcore it's, D&D fan, definitely. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and low-key, like, I don't hear a lot, and all of a sudden I see this yeah, awesome great, stuff. Great stuff just come out. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that was Sam's time. Uh, oh, I'm next. Time starts. <laughs> Go. 
All right. Uh, so my campaign, I'm doing my fourth edition, uh, you know, heart, goodbye to fourth edition sort of Eberron campaign using Eyes of the Lich Queen. Um, and we completely ran through the entirety of the third part, the third chapter or whatever, of the adventure in one session, uh, which I told you that we ran through like the the 15 or whatever encounters of the first section in, in, mm-hmm. in just two sessions. In mm-hmm. record time. Yeah. Right. Well, well this, keep in mind, just for everybody's edification, your sessions are like 22 hours long. No, my sessions are like six or seven hours long. Okay. <laughs> um, and my se- the we ran through the entire second section in uh, one session, although I cut some chunks out of it. Well, now we ran through the entire third session without really cutting much out of it um, in one session again. Uh, so the, we're keeping the pace up really quick, and I'm, I'm actually really liking that, right, for multiple reasons. One, it's it's supposed to be a, a pulpy sort of Indiana Jones-style adventure, right? And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of uh, let's sit around and, and philosophize about what we're doing and why, you know, um, in, in, a, in a good pulpy sort of adventure. It's just action to action to action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why so I like that it's it's moving at that pace. So um, they completely finished the third section, which is the we're on the myst- or we're at the mysterious island, the mysterious haunted island, and we've got to get to the the um, tomb in the middle of it and find out what the heck's going on. Is this in Zendrek? Uh, it is not in Zendrek. It's up in the oh. Lazar Principalities. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Uh, and so they um, they. Work their way through there. I turned some encounters that would, I think would have just been a pain to deal with the way they were written. Um, you know, converted to fourth edition because it was originally written for third. Uh, I think they would have just sort of been a pain. So I'm like, yeah, it's fourth edition. I'll turn this series of advent uh, of encounters into a skill challenge. Right? Boom, 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 mm-hmm. and that worked really well. Um, they they ended up you know on the on their um, landing boat and attacked by a un- giant undead whale um, and managed to to <laughs> escape the whale. But half of the bo- the front half of the boat was shattered, and a couple of the the characters were just sort of hanging onto the edges of the boat, but you know while while dangling in the water. And then they get through uh, this little channel, and it become and and there's a you know there's a giant um, stone lion head where the water's rushing into um, in typical you know sort of pulp fashion and you go in there and it's like a you know like a crazy roller coaster ride and they're bumping into things and they've got to sort of navigate that without the the boat falling apart completely and they sort of um, make the successes and and failures um, they they hit sort of the threshold for failures right at the end at the same time they hit all the successes they needed so I sort of had the had them come shooting out at the end of the tunnel as the boat shatters into a million pieces and and whatever and so now they've made it to the island but they have no way back because their boat is just splinters in the bay um, so that, I thought that worked out really well, and then they then they um, skilled their way in to, to find the this tomb hidden amongst the the jungles of this haunted island, and uh, had a few encounters along the way, and and what have you. Um, get into the island, use their special weird um, dragon marks to open the gates to get into the tomb, find the the undead ghost of this guy that they were that was buried there. Um, who was a um, what's it? What is it? Clashtar, right? Those are the ones who merge with these psionic creatures in Eberron, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he had bound his, this psionic creature um, to his tomb, right? And so they it had gone quite insane, uh, and as a result, wouldn't let his spirit move on. So by binding his his psionic this psionic entity, the psionic entity then bound him to this plane and wouldn't let him leave. 
they wouldn't let a spirit leave. So finally they killed that creature. His, his spirit is released, but before it's released, it's like, oh, hey, uh, let me answer all your questions and fill in all the exposition of what's been going on this whole time. Mm-hmm. So they finally get out and they're like, awesome, now we know what's going on and we can go back to our patron and totally get the, all this figured out and, and, and save our lives. And then they reach out to their patron using the, the collection of sending stones they have and their patron responds with, uh, crap, they've caught me. Come help. I'm down here, you know, and you know, gives them directions, you know, and that's sort of, you know, where that goes, right? So now they got to run to Arganesson, which is the continent covered with the dragons that's ruled by the dragons. Um, and they got to go there and rescue him. And that's, and now we're getting into, into section four. And I think we can run through section four in one session as well. So I think we will have done four chapters, uh, and a whole sort of little campaign in Eberron in, in five sessions. And, and it's moving pretty quick. And I, and I'm really liking the pacing of it, of the whole thing. Hmm. I might have to to do like I've done and, and fudge through some some dungeon crawl or whatever because you know that's not super interesting for a, a pulpy sort of game. So um, the dun- the dungeon crawl or, or yeah the dungeon crawly bits. It's funny, yeah. It, it, uh, do you find dungeon crawls more palatable in other systems? I guess is it the speed of combat in four? Yeah, yeah. Ab- crawl, it's, it's absolutely the speed of combat, um, and yeah. the fact that I'm trying to move through this quick. I'm trying to keep it fast paced, and at this, and I'm trying to get through quick for for a few reasons, uh, which are both practical and passionate. Right. Uh, one, I'm really excited to get into playing some five E. Um, <laughs> All right. What 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 parts? How much of a break from 4E had you taken when you went back to, when you went back again? Uh, we've been playing we've been playing we play tested 5E for a really long campaign. Maybe um, a year or two? Maybe a year, yeah, maybe a year and so a half. Are, are there parts of it that you're like, "Oh yeah." Of 5E? Oh, I forgot about that. No, it feels really familiar, but there's nothing in it that I'm like, this is fantastic and awesome, and that we can, we won't have that anymore. No, yeah. Everything that I think, everything that I feel like was good about 4E has been carried over, and the things that were kind of going in the right direction, but but didn't quite mm-hmm. play out right. I think they've taken the good ideas and used them. So, yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm 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 comfortable running it, and I'm and I'm having a good time. Um, but I don't think I'm going to miss it that much. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to get to that. And then I also have the the added, um, you know, my life is hectic right now, and I'm barely able to keep my head above water. So, um, the next campaign, the five E campaign, I'm actually uh, turning the reins over to one of my players to DM. Right. Uh, which means I get to take a break from DMing, and I can focus more on the things that I need to focus on. So, right. How about uh, are your players kind of either relieved or kind of like, oh yeah? How do they feel about going? Or is it a mixed bag? Like uh, some, it's like, a bit I of, love it, and some people are like, ah. yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think um, I have one player who probably couldn't care less. He'll, you know, whatever you guys want to do, I'll, I'll come when I can come, and and I'll just have fun playing whatever you guys are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one player who I think is pretty open to it. Mm-hmm. I've got two players who I think are just completely excited about moving to 5e, and I've got one player that really doesn't want to turn to 5e and you know was finally convinced by a player's handbook because, well, I guess this is what we're playing from now on, so I might as well get the book. you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he really wants to play 4e, but he's only ever played 4e. Like, he right. started D&D with, with our group, with the 1 to 30 campaign, and it's the only thing he's ever played. And he's my min-maxer, too, so I think he's afraid that there won't be that opportunity. He likes the, the strategic min-maxing sort of sure. yeah. elements as well. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. so I, th- I think most of our group is, is ready to convert over, and I think the min maxer will 
will find the places where he can still do that stuff and right. and enjoy himself once he gets into it and gets to know the system. It's hard right. to it's hard to know whether uh, when it's a person like that, it's hard to know whether he doesn't like the system or just doesn't like change. And this is the first time he's had to go through this change before. You know? Did he start with Fori? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He started his his first campaign was our first session of the one to thirty campaign. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at, and, and I feel kind of comfortable about wrapping up the campaign. I'm actually going to be – the last session of the campaign is going to be this Saturday, which also happens to be my birthday. So we get to finish the, my last sort of uh, session before I give up the reins on my birthday. I feel like it's all apropos. Mm. Um, cool. And then, and then yeah, after that, we're switching over to, to, to 5e. And, and I'm yeah. – uh, and some of my thinking is like, okay, so there's some, there is some strange things going on where like, um, the last session of the campaign, we have one player who's going to be there who hasn't been there since the first session and one player who's always consistently there and driving the story forward, who's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got some weird things going on with players. Um, but the player who is good at driving things forward, who's taking, he's the, who's also the one taking over his DM and isn't going to be there also said, well, it's not a big deal. I don't feel particularly connected to this character. So if mm-hmm. I'm not there to see it finish up, he's like, no big deal. Right. Um, and then I'm also starting to consider, okay, well, now I'm going to go from being a DM of almost every session for the years, you know, with a few hiatuses here and there. But I've been DMing for a long time. And now I'm going to sit on the other side of the screen and let somebody else DM and be a player again. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm starting to think of, okay, what do I need to do to be a helpful player but not – a player who gets in the way. <laughs> like, oh, rolling your eyes. <laughs> oh, you're totally doing it wrong. Right. Well, I mean, he even, so we're running Horde of the, he's, or he's running Horde of the Dragon Queen, right? Right. Uh, and, and he, he basically came out and said, I'm not going to do this in the Forgotten Realms. One, because I'm a continuity person and I don't know the continuity of the realms. Um, and two, uh, Jeff's here and he knows it better than I do. So I don't want to feel like I'm messing up his world or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Dude, don't worry about it. You know, mess well, up the world. That's that's how that's what role playing games and, and campaign settings is all about. You know, right. take it, blow it up. I don't care. Uh, and, then, and I'm like, I'll even create like a sage sort of character. So there's an in character reason for me to sort of fill <laughs> like, people I in. I know on. things. Yeah, I could also be wrong. Like, how great is it? Like, you're like, yeah. oh. Oh, Minister totally went down to the... Oh, no, I guess I was wrong. (laughs) Right. And that's cool, too, right? Right. Uh, So he was talking about doing it and and maybe converting it to Dragonlance. And I'm like, I don't know how that fits. And now he's finally settled on sort of, I'm just going to do my own sort of homebrew thing that we'll develop as we play. I'm like, that's cool. So is he using Horde or not using Horde? So he's running Horde, but he's setting it in his own sort of homebrew setting where where he's just going to, I think, make up a lot of the setting as he goes. Which means anything from Horde, he can just pull out and use. So Yeah. Interesting. I, and I also promised the the rest of the players that I would play the cleric because there's one guy who always ends up playing the cleric, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he's sick of being the healer. So it's like, you know what? I'll play the cleric. I'm good with that. Yeah, cleric's pretty good in five e two. Yeah, it's I've fun. made I've made like five different clerics now, and just, <laughs> so I can basically lay it out and say, okay, here's my five different options. Yeah. Which one do you want me to play? You know. <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, any thoughts on going from being a, the longtime DM to being a player, so that in a way that I can be helpful but not be in the way, you know? I'll tell you the hardest part I have, and that's the amount of work that I'm used to doing at D&D is so much less, I get bored really fast. With your free time? With my, just while I'm playing. Like, oh. I'm the worst guy oh, yeah, yeah. surfing on my cell phone while everyone's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's because I'm so ADD 
that when I'm DMing, it's great because I'm handling everything. I've got six people and I've got dogs barking and I've got, you know, all kinds of things, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts of situations. And I have to listen to people, really listen to people because they're building the world while they're talking. Mm-hmm. And when I'm a player, uh, even, uh, you know, one of my one of my good friends, I've played in this game for years. And, you know, I min-maxed a rogue. I was like the worst player. Right? I min-maxed a rogue. <laughs> And I just I I had a big attention problem, so I don't know. Like keeping an eye on that. Is- yeah, and that's a, that's actually good. I mean, and that's one of the problems I've run into in the past. And I find myself doing a lot of like doodling and drawing and stuff. And I'm not. A, yeah. I'm, I'm not. Oh. Even, I'm not even an artist, but it's at least, I at least try to force myself. If I'm gonna be off task, like I'm gonna make it on task. So if I'm gonna doodle, I'm gonna doodle stuff from the game. You know? Well, actually, so I actually yeah, that's a that's a great idea, and that's something I've done, and that got me into the game. Like I drew mm-hmm. pictures of my character and scenes. Like I would draw scenes of what my guy was doing, and then show them to the other people. Be like. This See, what I was going to do, my advice was going to be uh, start writing a journal. Yeah. Take a take a composition book mm. and just like buy one to be your character journal. And just when you find yourself start getting bored or getting ADD and looking around, just open that up and write two or three sentences about what the character sees right now this moment. Mm-hmm. That's good. You could even and you then, could make that journal your character's journal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Write right. it from the character's point of view. And if I doodle in it, then I'm, in. if I doodle in it, then that can be a thing too. That's what the character her. sees. Yeah. yeah. Make it something to do with the character. Yeah, that's absolutely. why I say just two sentences about what the character sees right now. And then you could actually build story from that mm-hmm. if you needed to. But I think, you know, that the thing is that it's really it's really important, I think, for, for GMs to be to be players once in a while because you need to see things from that other side of the table. Every oh, and once I, and in I while. miss it. Yeah. Know? Not extremely often. I mean, if you, if you like, I'm primarily a GM. I, I have a lot more fun GMing than I do playing just in general. I just enjoy it more. Um, but I do like playing though, because it mm-hmm. reminds me of certain things and it gives me a different perspective. And then when I go back and I GM, I'm actually a lot, I give clues a lot easier and I give, you know, I, I give advantages and different things a lot easier mm. because I realize and recognize, oh yeah, what's really obvious to me isn't obvious to the other people at the table at all. Do you ever so. do you ever sit down as a player as somebody who normally DMs? You ever sit down as a player and and use it as an opportunity to show people how to play better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've done that too. I, I, I just tell the other people how to play better. I find uh, that works really well. Well, see, part of I, it, part of it is like I feel like um, people should just have more fun with their characters, and if that means putting them in dangerous situations, then you know what? Fine, you're in dangerous situations. It's D and D. That's part of that's part of the game, right? And I yeah. think people are oftentimes overly cautious with their characters, not just my group, but in general. So I love just I love sitting as a player sometimes with my group and showing them. You know what? Sometimes you don't need to sit there and debate something for half an hour. Just just right. do it. You know, jump in. Mm-hmm. What I do is I if when everybody starts debating, oh no, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. I make everybody shut up and I say, what do you, what is your what does your character want to do? No. And they say, well, I think. And I, no, no, no. What does your character want to do? It's e- it's an easy question to answer. And when they say, well, I think my character would do this. Okay, that's what you're going to do. That's what you should be doing. Forget what all of us are saying about, oh, what's better or what's this or that. Yeah. Do something creative and just do it. And, you know, when you do that a couple times from the player and they know that you're normally the, the DM, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, okay, that works. <laughs> 
So I do that sometimes, but I try not to do things, you know, I try not to like tell other people what to do or what's the, absolutely. No, no, no. I never, as a player, I never try to tell people what to do, but I always sort of like, I'm going to be the, you guys start planning. I jump into, I jump into the adventure and guess what? (laughs) You're coming with me because I just aggroed the encounter, you know? So you're Leroy Johnson. I'm a, is it, is it Johnson? Is it John? I don't know. What is it? Leroy? What is it? Mike, you were, you were a wow player. Leroy Jenkins. 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 That's Jenkins. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm a Hearthstone player, and those bastards nerfed the cards. And I have this Leroy Jenkins. Thank you for bringing up that painful memory. So, Mike, it's your turn. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, So I've been playing Horde of the Dragon Queen. I've had the advantage of running it for two groups simultaneously because I'm running a D&D Encounters group at my FLGS while I run it for my home group. And it's great. Because A, it means because it's organized play. I think I have a level 17 character now for all the DM points I'm racking up. (laughs) Um, We just started, we just finished chapter two. Uh, This will be a spoiler-rich summary. So if you are uh, playing Horde of the Dragon Queen or uh, in my group, uh, and (laughs) we're not at this point, you should probably not stop listening. Um. So we just did chapter two, and chapter two is about going to the raider's camp. And it starts off with two pretty straight, fun encounters. This, One is, the, where they, this is the first time they go to the camp, right? The first time they go to the camp. Okay. So it starts off with them uh, meeting up with some stragglers who are kind of like a bunch of yutzes who, who got stuck behind or, you know, lagged behind the group mm-hmm. and you get to fight them. And that's a nice, easy, however you run that is a nice, easy thing to do. And then there's the rear guard, which is tougher and uh, often set up for an ambush. And both groups stumbled into the ambush. Um, and the fun part about the ambush is I have a Paizo map called, I think it's like Battlegrounds or something. And one of them is a clear like choke point between two canyon walls with this big pool of blood and like broken weapons and stuff right in the center. Mm. So it's so clearly a terrible, terrible place, right? Mm. Like. You, you, it, you know, no one would ever say like, oh, yeah, I want to start off in that blood pool. There, so could, whenever, there, could, there could be no enemies anywhere within 100 yeah, miles, right. and it's that is worst. still a trap. It's right. <laughs> been a yeah. trap for a thousand years. Right? Talk about ancient places. Like, you know, so many groups have killed so many other groups yeah. here that the ground <laughs> is red. So uh, what's great is like if they do their perception checks and they do other stuff and they find that they miss that all or they don't see it, I start them in that spot. And I'm like, you look down at your feet to a bunch of broken weapons of blood and go, uh-oh. Like, how did I end up here? And everyone gets mad at me because they're like, I would never do that. And I'm like, oh, you rolled a two. So, yes, you did. <laughs> so I'm just purposefully being a jerk DM. Um, but both groups dealt with it. And one of them was really hard. And with my home group, they're level three. So they're higher level than the other group. And there's more of them. There's like six players. And uh, it was really tough. And a fog cloud, like one character cast fog cloud, and it saved them because it, redu- it removed the advantage that all the guys up on the cliffs had. And there was like a whole bunch of them, and each of them had two shots each, and it was just going to destroy the party. So they got really lucky. But then we hit the camp itself. And with my encounters group, they really enjoyed the camp. They went around the outer canyon. They they put they they beat a uh, they they fought and killed a uh, um, like a sentry group that was going around. And then they put a big rope down to the base, and they snuck down there, and they kind of snuck across, and you know got to the prisoner and they saw that the prisoner was being harassed and they, they caused distractions to get him and they rescued the prisoner and got out. And it was like this really, you know, rough situation. My group last night did the same thing and they decided to go in the front pretending to be members of the cult of the dragon and the mercenaries to Mm -hmm. see how close they could get. And 
the funny thing, I, I think I'm trying to analyze it because there was one player who's more of a, he, he's the one that his constant feedback to me is just railroad us. Just tell us what to do and have us do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the two pieces of feedback are I want, I want to fight stuff and I want to be railroaded. And clearly he was like, you know, throughout the evening, he was, you know, he kept getting like, oh, you know, never mind. I'll just follow everybody else. I'll just follow everybody else. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And he's great. Like, he's a, he loves D&D. He actually loves 5th edition. He was a big 4E player, and now he loves 5th edition. But this kind of intrigue sort of, you know, and that's the whole didn't resonate. Well, right. And, like, you know, there's part of me that's like, okay, well, this guy fought traffic after work to come to my house to play D&D. And he's getting two hours of stuff he doesn't want to play. And, you know, three hours or whatever. And uh, but then I've got other people who are like, you know, one guy is a former his family was a member of the cult of the dragon. He's got a disguise kit. So he's clearly a member like everyone thinks he's a member of the cult of the dragon. He snuck up this ladder and found this treasure. He found the treasure. He actually saw it like all the treasure they stole. He saw it, but he could only carry so much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So and that was not in the book, by the way, I moved. I moved where the treasure had been hidden so he could see it. And um, so lots of. You know, so he was having a great time, and I did a, I, I felt I did a pretty good job of making sure that like the group was totally separated across the camp. But I was continually like, okay, you open the tent and your eyes go wide with what you see, and then I went to the next guy and said, now you're over this, you know, you're over at the mercenary beer garden, you know, getting drunk with the mercenaries. <laughs> and um, but it was so the the two odd things were what do you and this is the questions that I have for the group. What do you do when the group itself is kind of split as to what they want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, and I've been balancing the same group for six years. So, you know, but, but it's tough when you've got some people like, no, I, you know, one guy said, I really loved it. Like, this was really fun. And then someone else is like, eh. Um, and then also the a tough part with this is I put in opportunities for them to fight. Like, they got harassed by mercenaries. And one of the fun things I added, by the way, um, is there's different mercenary groups that have been hired by the cult and they're all different styles. So there's like one group called the gray blades who are, you use um, the gray blades a lot. Don't I you? think I use the gray blades somewhere else. Uh, I'm that, was the, that was uh, the Lord Abbey, retcon. The... Yeah. Lord retcon is going to come and crawl them the storm blades. So <laughs> it's going to come down and change the history and it'll be storm. Blades I think, they... I think the gray blades should just be a recurring. Um, mercenary yeah, band they, they are, except I think they're in a, they were in N- Nentir Vale before, so yeah, they were. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's now a new faction yeah. in the FR. It's, it's, right. It's like the uh, the the sure. guy that I have that shows up and writes newsletters no matter what the campaign. Yeah, is. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I could do no one. I, actually, you're the you remember that they didn't. Yeah. So um, they're like hardcore ex-military Blackwater style mercenaries, right? And then there's another group called the Red Sun who are like messy terrorist kind of mercenaries who are just there for fear factor. And then they, they get drunk and they raid villages and that's their, that's their shtick. But they're terribly disciplined. So there's kind of fun ways to interact with the two different mercenary groups. And like Grey Blades are four times the cost of a Red Sun mercenary and they constantly are talking about that fact. So there's like fun intrigue between the mercenary groups. Um, but I would give them opportunities. Like I had a bunch of drunk red sun mercenaries harass them. And they're like, we cannot fight. The- like we want to fight these guys so bad, but we're in the middle of a camp of 150 guys. And if we fight them, we could get exposed. So they wouldn't. And you're like, and I, I was like, well, you had the opportunity to fight, but you didn't take it. Right. Like you, you talked your way out of it and that's fine. But then you're mad that you didn't fight. <laughs> so it's like, I got stuck in this situation where I tried to put in the types of gameplay. Mm-hmm that players wanted, 
but they felt that because the situation, and one guy, the, actually the combat guy said, I don't know why we would have fought him. We're just going to lose a bunch of resources for no real gain. Like there's no benefit to us killing those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, we're not going to get anything from it. So, so he also talked himself out of the kind of yeah, play that he, he likes to play. One of the, and he actually talked himself out of a lot of the dangerous scenes. He was, so here's a, and this is a spoiler one. He was saying, Ur- Erlanthar is the name of the monk who's captured. Mm-hmm. And here's one of my problems with the adventure. According to the adventure as written, if you don't rescue Erlanthar, the adventure's over. Mm. Like, he's the next part. He's the next thing that gets, gets you to part three. So, you, you know, the, the book never assumes. It assumes you could get captured. It assumes that, you know, you could rescue him in a bunch of different ways. But it never says, like, if the group says, well, there he is, and we got all the other questions to answer for the, for the governor, we're leaving. Mm. Right? Now I'm, you know... I'm, getting, I'm a, getting this guy out is too much work. Right, <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to do some mm-hmm. BS like, oh, he, he managed to escape without you. Because then they're like, oh, great. You know, that was then, what, then what are we need to do, right? Right, so then I'm like, no, he's dead, right? They kill Erlanthar. And then I gotta, now I've got to you know, do some crazy yoga. In yeah, order but to I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not horribly difficult to do. No, there, there are other patrons out there. There were compatriots of Erlanthar. Right. So yeah. there's mm-hmm. other yeah, people yeah, there yeah. that can, that can it is. tie And you could make it like you made a choice and this is what happened. And, and, and now you're at a disadvantage. But the problem is that I love Horde of the Dragon Queen. I know we already reviewed it, but the adventure itself feels like a bunch of sandboxes connected by really thin, delicate threads. Mm-hmm. And while you can sandbox your way around most of it, there's these certain things that absolutely have to occur. Mm-hmm. And if they don't occur, then the thread of the adventure is broken and you've got to fix it. And we're all skilled DMs, so we'll figure it out. But So that, that came up in this one. And I, I didn't really push them too hard to say, you got to rescue the guy. And they ended up doing it. But the group could very easily have been swayed by the one player who is like, why don't, why would we do that? Like how, you know, we're in the middle of a camp surrounded by 150 people. We've got a hundred foot cliff wall behind them that we don't have a rope to climb and we're going to rescue him. Like we're going to get caught, you know? And that's a very reasonable, no, I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, you're in the middle of a camp right, and you like, got, we're going to have to leave. So Yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of that was kind of tough part. Since I, apparently I still have time, I'll mention one thing that I kind of wish I had done, and and I'm going to write about this because I'm I'm writing regular updates on each of the chapters and how it went. And I'm going to write over one. at slyflourish.com. Slyflourish.com. and that will be posted by the time you read this. And one of the things that I wanted to do and and wish I did more of is that I'd like to telegraph play style in the story. So if they see the camp up ahead, they could, I, could, I wanted to make it clear to them, like, if you want the combat, and I wouldn't say it like this. I'd, I'd figure out a flowery narrative way to say this. But if you want combat, go around the outer edge and fight the scouting parties that are, that are scouting the upper walls. If you want intrigue and, and, and uh, uh, infiltration, go through the center. And if you want to, you know, just assault the place, then, you know, do something else. Well, that's combat. Well, yeah, I guess it was <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'd love to have a third option. I don't know really what the yeah. third option. Would I be. mean, there's so many spots in that adventure where I feel like they never tell you that what you should do is to go the infiltration route. But the alternative is just a massive slaughter, oh, killing never, hundreds they, of people. They make, <laughs> you know? Early on, like you cannot fight everybody in that camp, yeah. and they say like you need to make it clear you're not fighting everybody. In that but there's camp. other yeah. there's other places in the adventure later on. I'm thinking, you know, uh, when you get to the some of the camps, the, what is it, the swamp camp, and and all that kind of stuff, where where mm-hmm. that is yeah. not spelled out. But if you try to just bully your way into it, it's going to be just gonna a get huge slaughter. Yeah. 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 Or, or it's going to be we attack him, and then we run away and rest, and then we attack him, and we and it's going to be that right, over right. and over again. Right. Well, so which yeah. goes back to my rest post on rpgmusings.com because in 5th edition you really have to monitor 
resources and rest because it can be important, especially if you're running an intrigue type adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or combat. Like they they blew a lot of resources fighting in one fight, and then they're like, "Wow, you know, we're going into this camp without a whole lot of stuff." Mm, right. Like one of the one of the guys is you know the same guy that 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 you know once the combat option didn't take it, but was also kind of frustrated by the adventure. Said like, "I'm a wizard, and you know, I had two spells for that whole thing, and I only have four mm-hmm. spells I can or five spells I can cast total." Mm-hmm. And then I'm out, you know, like, so I basically get like maybe one spell per battle per day, you know, and I'm done. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what you got to balance. Well, plus plus cantrips until until the day is done. I was talking to Michelle about this during our, during our walk today. today, Michelle is his wife. Michelle is my wife. And a player. And my most important player. (laughs) And she, um, one of the things she brought up is like, she, she still doesn't feel heroic in this edition. And and part of it is because resource management is much, much heavier in this than it was in 4E. Like, mm-hmm. it really, you know, those hit dice are a really great idea for healing, but they're nothing like healing surges. Mm-hmm. Like, healing surges are crazy powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, it's it's interesting how that's playing out. Now, one question I have, and I'm excited to see over, I, I, I fully plan on running both this one and the next one back to back. And then really enjoying a first, you know, 1 to 16, and we'll probably go, I'll probably make up four more levels of stuff and go all the way to 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the, the characters feel like as they get older. Cause I'm mm-hmm. starting to see that, you know, I started to see like my first fourth level character and I've certainly seen a lot of third level and they feel totally different than first. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm betting that when you get to seventh and eighth and ninth, they're going to like, the game is going to change, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the whole game is going to feel different or, or maybe not, maybe I'm wrong. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what that feels yeah, well, like. Well, we'll find out as you discuss it here on Behind yeah. the DM's Green. <laughs> Is my time already up? No, you got a minute wow. 40. Wow. Oh, God. What am I going to talk about? Uh, I'll bring up one other one other thing. I already talked about um, different mercenary groups. Oh, so one thing. I don't think it's actually in the book or it's not described, but there's this great piece of artwork of Erlanthar pinned up on the thing and mm-hmm. a uh, dragon guy harassing him. Yeah, it looks like almost they're, they're doing like a, yeah. a, a Salem witch trial sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I love that piece of art so much that in both games I had that scene in it. Mm. And I don't think that scene is in it. I think Erlanthar is just kind of sitting off there. Yeah. But I will say that him being crucified is some really unfortunate Christian kind of <laughs> you know view. And in both games I felt myself uncomfortable describing it. Well, right? like, why can't he just be tied to a post? I know. Well, I, crucifixion I, was around before Jesus, I know, but it's you know. Yeah, but that doesn't mean, that, that doesn't, doesn't change the fact that it, it is synonymous like, with that religion right yeah, now. My home group is not; they're not going to be offended by this kind of stuff. But they immediately brought it up and immediately breaks what's going on, right? Like, so, so changes. So, so how yeah, well, I, I know. Yeah. I, and that's why I'm bringing it up. I didn't in either of them, and I wish I had. You know, I wish it had been a post. But also, I'm also showing off that piece of art. Yeah, and the piece of art shows him crucified. So, and that's you know, I mean, is he crucified? Crucified? Is he hanging no, there, or is he just tied up to it? He's so if you if you turn the big X that he's on into a crucifix, right? You know, but it looks like he's crucified. Yeah. Now he's hanging from it, and it's not you know he's chained to it. He's not act you know hammered up there or anything right. like that. Well, I actually, but that but it's still. I could look. Yeah, it's it it was it, it you know it been. One game, I could see people's eyes kind of moving back and forth, and then one other one, they actually mentioned they're like, "Well, you're, you know, whatever." Oh, he's even got that sort of sad, remorseful look in right. his face. You know, all right. And, he looks and, like Christ up there, like, "Father, forgive them." You know, and it's not like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not 
getting like you know we have to get super politically correct about the whole thing but mm-hmm. also you don't want to break the immersion of the story and when you you know a, an improper description of that could break the immersion of the story mm-hmm. so it's something to be careful of that's the only thing I mentioned. That's cool. but I love it I'm having fun and the nice thing is uh, however weird this part of the adventure was most of the rest of the adventure isn't like that like the next one's a nice dungeon crawl and then the one after that is the you know other stuff that I can't talk about because my wife's in the room <laughs> but there's you know it doesn't feel like the other parts of it are going to have the same problem that the camp did although you guys brought up that there's I, some stuff later i think I'll, there's uh, like three or four times where you basically need to infiltrate or it becomes a just a, a yeah so that's what I'll, a big a big void you know endless dungeon crawl mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. That's what I'll, I'll have to watch. That I'll have to watch and see. I sort of, you know, and and we I said this in my in the review. I think this is a fine adventure as long as everybody comes into it understanding that they're playing D and D spies. You know, that yeah. it's, it's going to be that kind of game. So so be prepared for that kind of game. Yeah, you know? I'll have to I'll have to kind of dig into that more and see if that can be either changed or or mm-hmm. or because I think my group likes to balance out the three. They're not going to you know. Last night was a game where it was. I mean, even by the time they had a battle at the end. They were all tired and like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Just, they didn't care about the battle. I was like, it was a cool battle. I'm like, meh. You know, we just spent two hours talking. Yeah. So. Well, I look forward well, to when I'm a- going through it and, and you, we can compare it from my angle as a player to your angle as a, yeah. as a DM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry for spoiling. If I'm spoiling it, I, I read it for the read it. for the yeah. review. Yeah, so. I read it for the review. So, I, you know, I think what's what also plays into that that sort of nah, we're tired. Like, just get the combat over with. Is also when you don't feel heroic when you've waited all session to have a fight. You know, it's kind of like almost a letdown. Yeah, I mean, I thought cases, yeah. I, I, I felt like they were hero. Like they did a lot in that in that place. You know, they. It was some really and, – and they did – you know, like one guy was like, I kind of wish we had done more world building in there where you sort of open up the question like, I don't know, what what are the red brands or the red suns doing? And then we mm-hmm. would describe what they're doing. And I was like, well, you kind of did because you asked like, are there – is there a bar? And I said, well, no, but there is a beer tent. You know, <laughs> like they don't have a bar there, but they do have a place where we're all drinking. <laughs> you know, so – and then that suddenly that was a thing. Cool. Well, we are at fifty minutes, and we've all talked. Any, does anybody have any last words? Mike, you want to? You, you selling any new books or anything? Nope. All right. Then Mike's over at SlyFlourish.com. Sims at uh, D uh, RPG Musings. Yeah, <laughs> dang it! <laughs> it's only been what five years. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I'm basically just here over at thetomeshow.com these days. So go check us out. And if you want to support the show, go shopping through our Amazon and D and D Classics affiliate links available through thetomeshow.com. Anything else? Dun, Last dun, words. Dun. Great, nope. great wisdom to impart on our our faithful listeners. Oh yeah, I have a, yeah, huge, great wisdom. Always have fun playing RPGs. Have fun fun with your friends. It's all about having fun with your friends. And here's my final word: keep your feet dry. (laughs) All right, so that's it. We're done. Say goodbye until next month. Goodbye. Till next month.